And let me tell you something, as long as you bring up tennis, that fuck nut, whatever his name is, Djokovic, I don't even, uh, Djokovic. Djokovic, the Joker, I call him the Joker, what a so fucking everybody asshole. everybody else, Howard, you didn't call Oh, they do? Do they really? I don't, I'm not, yes, the first I heard of yes. this guy is that he doesn't want to get his vaccine and he's running around, nobody's clear what his stat, they should throw him right the fuck out of tennis. That's wow. it. Wow. Wow. Some biting commentary from Howard Stern, Mr. Pro-Vaccine Guy. Wow. Oh, goodness gracious. Thank you, Howard, for saying what needed to be said that hasn't been said millions of times on social media. Wow. What happened to Howard? Howard Stern. <sighs> we get into talking about this on this podcast. Hi, everybody. It's the Check Your Brain podcast here. I am Tony Mazur, and uh, my guest today is Christian Toto. He is the author of the book Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul. It kind of speaks for itself. How did Hollywood get woke? Why is it woke? Why do we use the term woke? Well, it's kind of, it is a pejorative, and it's to essentially make fun of these people who think that, um, you know, who are, you know, they're better than everybody else. They're better than everyone else. They're activists. They're true activists. They're true artists. And it's so nauseating. And then, but what's worse is it's not even so much the, the actors that are already woke anyways. You kind of expect that. It's the people who used to be fighters for free speech and free expression. And then you have Howard Stern and Patton Oswalt who went to police speech. Are you kidding me? You're a shock jock radio host and a comedian respectively. And I actually not even respect, because I don't respect any of <laughs> And yet Howard has to do this whole thing where he's going on apology tours and everything. Is, is this the Howard Stern that you, you folks who like Howard, you know, where he said he never dropped the N-bomb or n never did any of that. He did this, this little gag on the New Year's Rotten Eve from, what, 1993 going into 94, where he is playing Ted Danson, who was in blackface at the Friars Club earlier that year, just after Cheers went off the air. And so he's as Ted Danson in blackface. And Sherman Hemsley is Whoopi Goldberg, which, again, I know context. I know that this is trying to is a parody. It's supposed to be a parody here. But if we're going by woke Howard Stern today, doesn't he need to cancel himself? Ed, I must say that I can't believe you're still in blackface after the Friars Roast controversy. Oh, hush up. I hate blackface. I just can't get this shit off. <laughs> Besides, Whoopi done wrote everything I'm going to say here tonight, so it's all right. Ain't that right, you smelly nigga? <laughs> That's woke Howard Stern right now. The guy who's complaining about vaccines and people not getting their vaccine and wearing masks and not taking this pandemic serious enough yet and chastising people. And ultimately, Howard just wanted to be accepted by the mainstream. So until he got accepted by the mainstream, he decided to lambast it. And clips like that are certainly out there. He had many years of radio that you can go through and find certain things. But he has to apologize for what he did back in the day. And everything's OK. It's not OK. None of this is okay. Not just that clip that I just played there, but all of the woke stuff. And finally, there are people that are stepping up and attacking it. And that's what Virtue Bombs is, is part of it. And Christian Toto has done a great job. Follow him on social media at Hollywood and Toto. I've been following him for many years. Does a great job. Hope you enjoy this podcast. We get into everything. We talk about not only about Howard and Patton Oswalt, but the cancellations. Uh, when did this woke stuff begin? When did we start talking about uh, political correctness as 
big business now. Where there was always like PC before, but it, it got to the point where corporations are putting pride flags on their uh, in their profiles for Twitter and Instagram and black squares and just uh, capitulating to these these what are essentially mobs. When did this start? And when's it going to stop? So here's my podcast with Christian Toto, author of the book Virtue Bombs. Hope you enjoy it. Got some ambient waiting back in the room. That's the one drug I could see becoming very addicted to. I gotta be really careful. Ambient is amazing. Because it puts you to sleep, which is fine. But the amazing thing about Ambien is that half hour before you go to sleep. If anyone's ever taken it, you know that as you're falling asleep, I don't know what it is in that drug. It feels like you're about to get the most glorious flu that anyone's ever gotten. Not in a gross, sick way, that kind of flu that comes from the exhaustion that is brought on by crushing all your enemies, achieving all your goals, setting the world right, knowing your legacy is secure. You're like, I can just lay in this bed and just fade. Oh, this is awesome. I won! The Check Your Brain podcast. It's Tony Mazur here with you. And uh, one thing I am extremely happy about, as much as, you know, we talk about black pilling and white pilling and black pilling for folks, you know, it's offshoots of the matrix and black pilling is, oh, well, you know, I think uh, everything sucks nowadays and uh, it's not going to get better. White pilling is one of those where, oh, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's a bright side to all of this. There's a feeling of being optimistic. And one of the white pills that I've noticed in the past couple of years is how the term woke went from being something you saw a lot of millennials use to being an absolute pejorative that's being used by even boomers. And I love it. So now anyone who says woke is actually saying it ironically, and I love it. And that's what we're going to talk about in this podcast today. And my guest today is Christian Toto. He's the author of the book Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul. And yeah, they are a they are a woke cult, what's happening in Hollywood. It's getting even worse by the day. And it is nice to see some places like Daily Wire has opened up their uh, is a, a production studio and having Gina Carano and others that are making their own movies, but it's going to take a lot for people to kind of swing the pendulum back the other way because it just seems like anything that Hollywood is putting out there is just awful. And Christian, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I, I followed your writing for a long time and followed you on Twitter. And uh, it was great to see you come out with this book. And I kept thinking like, this has got to be a long time coming because you've had a lot to write about in the last few years. Yeah, it's my first book. And, you know, when you think about writing your first book, it seems like a daunting task. And it was. It wasn't easy. But it all flowed. It's all information and stories and anecdotes and interviews that I've been doing for the last two years because, like you said, this is what, what's happening in Hollywood behind the scenes. So when it came time to write a first book, it, there was no other topic that I was interested in, no other topic that kind of lit a fire under me quite like what's going on with this woke uh, <laughs> the revolution. And I am torn between being hopeful about it for some of the reasons you said and, and, and understanding that Hollywood is very slow to change. And they often sort of the people behind the scenes, they won't hear the conversations that we're having today. You know, it, it's they're they're not getting this message. And even though woke is becoming a pejorative, which is wonderful, I don't think they quite understand just how bad the problem is. It's, it's funny because we're recording this here. It's January 12th. And today's actually the birthday of Howard Stern. 
And <laughs> I, I went back in, in history and we, we DM'd a, a few years ago because there were, there were stories that were starting to come out in the last maybe six, seven years about certain guests who were on the Howard Stern show back in the day, like Gilbert Gottfried or Artie Lang, who was a co-host, that ended up getting basically booted and banned from the show. And then they started... You know, manipulating some of the content that was happening and that some of the some of the names of the people. It went from Gary the Retard to Gary the Conqueror. And, uh, you know, you couldn't say certain things, couldn't do certain things. And Howard Stern is, I, I've brought this up many times before, and, and you and I were uh, DMing about it a couple of years ago about these stories of how uh, Sirius has brought people in to kind of clean up the show and what it was. And I understand that Howard Stern, so it's 2022, so I believe Howard Stern's 68 years old. He's heading towards 70. You can't do throwing salami and and meat on girls' bare bare asses their entire lives. Uh, you know, you got to grow up and you got to evolve your show. But this is a little bit different. He went in a different direction, went fully Hollywood. And this, it's just, it's so sad because I know you grew up listening to him and a lot of people in the audience did. I grew up listening to him. And it's a completely different guy. It's a completely different show. And he truly bought into this woke virtue signaling cult that's been going on that you write about. Yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons why is that he's never been admired or loved. I'm putting that kindly by the press. And I think he's always wanted to be accepted by the cool kids. And now he is. And he got what he wanted. But in order to get what he wanted, he had to completely change his persona and also what he used to fight for so so vigorously. And obviously he was the free speech guy in the 90s with the FCC. I want to say what I want to say on the radio. You know, I don't listen anymore. And it's possible he's discussing it. But I, I, I talk to friends who listen and they don't seem to hear it that much. Where is he on the free speech front? He seems to be missing an action when he should be a critical, if not the critical voice in this arena. And, you know, like I said, you have to grow up. You have to kind of evolve and grow, and I understand that. But you know, it, it, it's it's almost a cliche now that the the old school Howard Stern would have a field day mocking the 2022 version. Oh, it's it's sad. It really is sad to think that it, the Howard Stern show nowadays would be lampooned. I mean, he routinely 30 years ago would go into Philadelphia with the the zookeeper, and we had it in Cleveland with the Buzzard Morning Zoo, and they would do funerals for when. They would go up. Howard would go up against one of the big uh, 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 shows in town and knock them off and become number one. And he would do these funerals, and he he'd rip on the the host's wives and uh, and girlfriends and uh, find out if they were gay or not, and all this dirt that would go on. But you listened as an audience member because you're like, well, I haven't heard anything like this. That Howard Stern is gone. He's a married man now with cats. He's he's afraid to leave his house. I mean, look, I have cats and I'm married too, but I mean, for God's sake, I leave the house every so often. And then he's he's criticizing people about being, uh, you know, anti-vaxxers and how dare you? You're trying to kill people. He's even said that he'll never go into Sirius XM ever again. I mean, he's a hypochondriac and. And like you said, he really, and I'm using uh, I, uh, using your words, but I'll also throw mine in there by saying the 1992 version of Howard Stern would absolutely kick the ass of the 2022 Howard Stern. It's sad. And, you know, there are certain, certain uh, shows, certain comedians who leave the stage. You know, obviously, John Hughes is gone now, but John Hughes basically stopped making movies over the past few years of his life. And maybe he sensed that his time had come and gone, that maybe his creative spark 
was no longer there. And he didn't want to embarrass himself or he didn't want to kind of keep creating work that wasn't worthy of him. I, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking, but just a, just kind of a thought experiment here. Uh, you know, Seinfeld ended at the top of its game. You know, other shows have kind of left when they should have left instead Chappelle of kind of going on way one. too long. Yeah, the Chappelle show, you know, The Walking Dead. I lost interest maybe six <laughs> years ago. I think everyone else has. That's a shame, too, which is trudging on like a zombie. And how Howard, by collecting all these massive paychecks and, and not understanding that the fire and the spark and the hunger is no longer there, is really diminishing his legacy by what he's saying and what he's doing these days. It's it's sad. I I mean, I could be angry as a fan. I could be disappointed. I just think it's sad to see him and hear him. I mean, he sounds like he's just, you know, deep diving on CNN fear porn at this point with regarding COVID. I mean, my gosh, you know, expand your horizon, listen to other news outlets, be human. And, 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 you know, for all the therapy he's boasted about, and I'm sure that has made him a better person in many ways, he's still as angry and, and vitriolic as ever before, but in, in a way that's twisted and warped now. It's interesting. Uh, in the last couple of weeks now, we've also seen Patton Oswalt, where Patton Oswalt was a, if you remember, if, or if people remember, he was a comic that he was an interesting guy. He was kind of, you know, a tubby, it, but he was, he was interesting. He would say certain things and, and take things. He wouldn't take things too far, but he would go on stage and, you know, it was, it was a, I guess, a, a fascinating comedian. I don't think he was all that funny, in my opinion. Then all of a sudden there was a change. And then now he has to start apologizing for his old behavior. Mark Marin did the same thing where, oh, you know, certain things in my act were more uh, uh, acceptable back in the day, back in the 1990s, but they're not anymore. And they're all trying to come out ahead of uh, their previous behavior. But it's, it's almost like if you know there's an actor who's completely woke and completely sold on this you just expect that now but it's it, it it pains me when i see people who were once free speech warriors like a howard stern that have to now start apologizing for their behavior and saying like yeah that's not who i am anymore it's just ah oh, it's it really just hurts me inside it does and it's you know part of it is pragmatic i think they realize that that that, that if you deep dive into their older material certainly the patent odds both of those comedians that you will find stuff that that they could get canceled for. So maybe they're trying to get ahead of the curve and say, "Hey, I'm one of the good guys. I'm I'm an ally, and you know, please stay away from me. Don't <laughs> dig up my old stuff and and cancel my career." That could be part of it. It could be generic fear. It could be running with what they think is the cool, uh, you know, trend at the moment. This is hip. This is this is what's going to get them more work. And they may be partially right about that. It probably behooves them to to take this path. But it is sad. You know, you talk to any comedian, you know, what do they need? They need a stage. They need the ability to workshop jokes. They need the, the chance to kind of dig into challenging material, uh, maybe make some people uncomfortable. And, you know, maybe they're not as good as a Chappelle who's a genius at what he does. And maybe they can kind of, you know, thread the needle like like Chappelle can. But you need the creativity and space to, to be able to kind of maneuver around subjects and, and highlight absurdities and, and call upon, you know, bigger truths and, and, and share your experiences. These are all the, this is the toolkit of a comedian and you're taking away so much of it. And during the pandemic and people are, couldn't go to work or you couldn't do anything. So you're just stuck at home and you're watching Netflix or you're on Hulu or Amazon prime. And my wife was working from home and she's watching a lot of the movies that we grew up with. And almost every single one of them pre 2010, you're like, 
can't say that anymore. Can't do that anymore. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely can't go there anymore. And I mean, I can name them just off the top of my head of, for example, Ace Ventura Pet Detective is completely transphobic by today's standards. Um, the, the, the movie Waiting, in the first 20 minutes of the movie, they say retard and fag like five or six times. And these are by some of the wokest people like Ryan Reynolds nowadays saying this. Now, they can hide behind characters and everything, but I'm assuming there's going to be apologies made. Uh, you know, anything from the 90s and early 2000s that had questionable material, I mean, every single one of these culminating with Tropic Thunder where it's an entire movie that's based on a lot of these woke tropes that are very commonplace now. I mean, it is amazing how movies that were just 10, 15 years old, you can't even do in 2022 anymore. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. I'll throw one more kind of um, title in there. And it's interesting because it's it's seen as a more progressive um, sitcom. It's Modern Family. I've been binging it with my family. For weeks and weeks now, it's a it's a terrific show from top to bottom. I could go on for days about it. But even episodes a couple of years old now, I think the show ended two years ago, you, you either couldn't do now or would struggle to do now, or maybe they would, the writers would just say, I'm not going to go there. And often it's poking fun at absurdity. Uh, it could be kind of it, taking in on the woke sort of uh, thinking in a way that's humorous but not mean-spirited. It, it's you know, you're you're just basically saying when you're when you're woke you can't explore certain avenues you can't target certain uh, you know human flaws it's amazing and you know if, if things get worse and I hope it doesn't happen but you could spend the next three years erasing all the problematic art that you just mentioned and having you know dozens and dozens of new apologies from artists who have done bad things it also speaks to the hypocrisy of this whole movement where. You know, Tropic Thunder, you had a white actor, Robert Downey Jr., in blackface and was, I think he, I believe he had an Oscar nomination for that role. You know, why is that, you know, not erased and yet multiple sitcom episodes with blackface have been erased? You know, there, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just, it's just the whims of the mob. And it depends where the mob goes. And if the mob wants to erase that Robert Downey Jr. performance, there's a good chance they'll do it. And it's a good chance that, that he will say, I'm sorry, I'm an ally, and he'll do the hostage apology. Yeah, there, the whole thing with Tropic Thunder is it was in, it's a brilliant movie it, because it's based on all the Hollywood cliches of, hey, I'm an action star, but I think I can do a dramatic role. And then you have another person who takes method acting to a completely different level. Then you have another person who is a rapper turned actor. Then you have another person who is a drug addict and, you know, can't, is having these like ridiculous movies and he tries to do some dramatic roles with uh, out of the world of comedy. It's a great movie if you look at it and it's it's almost like a movie for Hollywood. But the problem is that Hollywood has already changed. Now, let me ask you this because I thought this was interesting. When can you pinpoint when all of this began? All this woke stuff where we decided to just go fully in and embrace you know, certain things and we have to cancel and ban other things. Like, is there a certain year? Is there a certain watershed moment? Like, I'm trying to pinpoint what it is. I don't have an answer to that. I do know after the George Floyd uh, protests that things really intensified dramatically. So whatever was in the culture just got much, much stronger since then. Uh, There are other points I could mention. I think that this is maybe too off topic, but when Tina Fey uh, imitated Sarah Palin on Saturday Night Live, I think that showed comedians 
that they had real cultural power if applied in a certain way. And I think that's when I think it's when comedy really went aggressively to the left. So I, I think I can pinpoint that. And then when Trump was nominated, then like late night TV just swerved into propaganda. But as far as the woke, I, I don't know. I think it's been bubbling up in fits and starts. I don't I don't think there's a a specific moment. There could be certain, you know, examples. Um, but, you know, we're, we're at a stage now if someone writes an op ed about a certain topic, there's a chance that it could change things. That there was this, an op ed by an LA writer, LA, LA Times writer, and that's when HBO Max temporarily pulled Gone with the Wind from its rotation. Mm, yeah. So it, it can be as simple as that. It can be a viral tweet. I mean, that's just the, the current state of play. Yeah, the, I saw an article, I think it was last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, that Jack Posobiec retweeted, and it was talking about when things, the woke movement really kicked up, and they kind of looked in terms of the time of Tumblr, when Tumblr was really popular about 10, 12 years ago, and the show Glee, and Glee was very LGBTQ friendly, and uh, there, was a, there was a lot of stuff that's happened, even though it's kind of ended up becoming a graveyard, and a curse with a lot of the actors, one overdose, one had child pornography and was uh, and committed suicide, another one drowned. So it was like a, it's almost like a real cursed show. But uh, Jack Posobiec retweeted this piece by saying that uh, it, it seemed like around that time, about 2010, 2009, 2011 is when those seeds were starting to get sown. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like by the 2012 election is when you started having so somebody like Barack Obama, who runs in 2008 and is trying to be, you know, it's not the, not the, it's not the red state of America, it's not blue state of America, it's the United States of America. Then by 2012, it's if you criticize me, you're, you're a racist, and it's just gone on from there, and it hasn't gotten better. And like you said about with with Trump, Trump ushered in this this new era of people just getting really, really upset by everything, and. It almost seemed like whatever Trump was saying, we have to do the opposite, whether it's comedy or what. And and then the other big thing with comedy is it stopped being funny. That <laughs> you, had, you had Nanette that ended up being a huge special for Hannah Gadsby, and it, she's not funny in it at all. It's it's not even funny. It's, but then there were articles because, it, you know, the typical uh, reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes had to praise it by saying comedy doesn't have to be funny. Uh, what? What? Yeah. It, <laughs> you hit on a lot of interesting points there. I think part of what's going on now is when something in pop culture is inferior, then that's when the, the sort of the wokeism rises. And, you know, in 2012, Barack Obama didn't have a great uh, legacy to run on. And when you don't, you got to go to a plan B. And plan B is, well, if you criticize him, you're racist. With remember the Ghostbusters movie, which was so big, the 2016 reboot. On some level, they must have known we've got a clunker in our hands. This is not a great movie. We can't even we can't even rally for a good trailer, and so that became the well. If you don't like the trailer, and if you're not interested in the movie, then you're a misogynist. I mean, this is like the Washington Post alleging things like this. It isn't just sort of randos on Twitter. So I think sometimes when you you're at, in a place where you can't defend yourself, that the woke. Um, defense shield rises up. And again, I, I can't pinpoint a time. These are just sort of specific little moments. But I, I think that is part of it. You know, when a when an, an AOC says something daffy, which happens every other week, you know, her first response is, 
I'm not going to debate you. I'm going to say, oh, you, you want me sexually or some other <laughs> inane response, um, you know, which is absurd. So I, I think sometimes that woke is sort of a, 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 a last chance to kind of spin the argument and, and against because you don't you don't have anything in your favor. It's sad because it's ruining art. And I say this because so I, I do stand up as well. And one thing about being a comedian is you have to this is my rule of thumb is to say the funniest thing possible. And when you start running it through a filter, it starts taking away from the potential humor. Yes, what you're going to say is probably going to be offensive to somebody. Somebody in the world is going to be offended by it. even if you're making sex jokes on stage, there's going to be somebody who's going to take umbrage uh, with it. Um, if you're saying something about, you know, a certain individual or a group of people or whatever the case is. And when you start to pick away at it, you get what you have on SNL, which SNL ends up becoming state propaganda. There, uh, and late night TV, you have dancing vaccines with Stephen Colbert and you have Jimmy Fallon has a song with Ariana Grande and Megan Thee Stallion about getting your booster for Christmas. And you realize that this is this isn't art this isn't art at all this is propaganda yeah and it's not at least at least make us laugh while you're while you're doing the propaganda and it's not even that, that either that, that jimmy fallon club I, I i can't unsee it and I, I may need therapy just for that but, but you know i'm joking but you know we're at a place now where we can't be offended we can't be triggered we can't be put out of our comfort zone so if you go to a, to see a comedian and he launches on you know 20 different topics but 20, the 21st topic is something that is near and dear to you and you don't like what he said or she said, then there's an issue. We've got to have thin, thicker skins as a culture. We live in a free society. You know, if I don't like, you know, the compound media hosts, then I can just watch Jim Gaffigan or I can watch dry bar comedy and I'm happy. But we need a, we need a society where if I like the compound media, sort of that unexpurgated comedy, I can go there and then my neighbor can go to dry bar. What's wrong with that? You know, comedians are not setting agendas. They're not legislators. They're not politicians. They can say something untoward and nothing changes. You know, if, if Mayor de Blasio does something, then all of a sudden your life is affected if you're a New Yorker. If, if Dave Chappelle tells a joke, it's not going to cause violence. I'm sorry. That, that's, a, that's a bridge too far. You can't say that. And if you do say that, then you're basically limiting all art. Because how about Taxi Driver? Didn't that inspire Jodie Foster's uh, – you know, the, the person who was obsessed with Jodie Foster? He shot the president. I mean art can do things that we don't expect. If you're doing a movie about a bank robber and you can see how he's you know, breaking into the vault – is it possible you could imitate something like that? You could copy some of the horrible things you see in movies? Yes, that is the price that we pay for a free society with free art. And uh, limiting that is is this the worst and slipperiest of slopes. And censoring it too, where you have opportunities where people would put out good sketches and you know something like Saturday Night Live is also another. I, I kind of equate Howard Stern and SNL the same way because they were – originally supposed to be rebellious. They were they were going against the norms and they're the counterculture. And while all the other hosts are doing wacky morning zoo stuff, Howard Stern's talking about sex and lesbians and farts. And Saturday Night Live was the same way too back in the 70s. It's, oh, here's what you find it funny, but we're gonna take this to a new level. Well, both, both outlets there, the Howard Stern Show and Saturday Night Live are just nothing but propaganda outlets for Dr. Fauci and for Joe Biden and AOC. And you're like, this isn't art. This truly is propaganda. 
And, uh, you know, I was talking uh, earlier, I was uh, doing a podcast today with uh, Tony Lyons, who's the publisher of the book, The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And you talk about the the censoring that goes on. And 20 years ago, how things have changed, where you had your SNLs and your Howard Stearns that were going up against this, this giant of censorship in the FCC. But 20 years ago, you had the Bush years of, hey, on uh, Clear Channel radio stations, we're going to censor Rage Against the Machine songs and System of a Down because they say things like in Killing in the Name and Bomb Track and basically anything that goes that makes people feel uncomfortable after 9-11. And at the time, I remember as a teenager going, that's ridiculous. That's no, I like rage. I can listen to that at the gym. But then it just, and then Janet Jackson's boob falls out during the Super Bowl halftime show. And you had a lot of the Puritan, the Christian conservatives that got really outraged. But then the pendulum swung. And now it's the left that seems like they're the McCarthyites, the book burners in the modern day sense. Yeah, it is interesting to see how the culture, the shifts that happen within it. But the, the 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 major difference now is that the people on the left hold almost all the levers of power. So if a if a Christian conservative in the 1980s or early 90s is a gas, they may start a letter writing campaign, but there's often not much significant traction from them. They don't have a lot of cultural power. But today it's the it's the censors who have most, if not all, the power. That's a sizable change, and it makes it far more dangerous than uh, what we've seen in the past. It's it's incredible because when you think about and and you see all these movies and books that are written about the blacklist and, and Joseph McCarthy back in in the Red Scare in the 1950s, and they they all talk about it nowadays, like oh. Uh, so-and-so got was on You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx and got blacklisted, and this person and this person, and they came after Desi and Lucy. And, uh, and it's, it's romanticized nowadays uh, about the blacklist. But there is a blacklist that's going on right now where Gina Carano would post something on Instagram and she gets taken off The Mandalorian and that she can't work for Disney anymore. And uh, you have uh, Rose McGowan speaks up about Harvey Weinstein and she's not getting acting gigs anymore. Kirstie Alley is not woke. Uh, and so she'll never get an acting gig anymore. Kanye West was getting boycotted because he was spotted in the White House with Trump and wearing a MAGA hat. It, there, for all the people that were romanticizing about a blacklist from 70 years ago, there's one going on right now. And you're, you're just not saying anything. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's Hollywood loves going back to the blacklist. It's in being the Ricardos. There's actually a movie about uh, Joe McCarthy coming out next year. So it just never stops. They don't see the hypocrisy there. But there's there's several blacklists going on. There are blacklists against conservatives that's happening right now. It's been happening for quite some time. It's the biggest open secret in Hollywood that no one seems to rage against. And uh, very recently, there was a new article on Barry, Barry Weiss's Substack page. She did not write it. The two authors, their names are escaping me. It's a, it's a stunning, stunning investigative piece about how woke Hollywood is and how basically uh, people of color are now, uh, you know, not that they're, they should always have been given the chance. That's one of the, one of the flaws in Hollywood that they feel guilty for. But now straight white males are running recover because they can't get work it's it's a stunning thing actually i've spoken to a comedian about this um in recent weeks and he shared it from his personal perspective even shared an audio of of an agent telling him that he can't get work for him because he's a straight white male comic you know 
we want diversity, but this overcorrection is absurd. So the blacklist against conservatives is now expanded. And by the way, about Gina Carano, who I met and is just an absolute darling, she's the sweetest person. Um, I can point to multiple celebrities who have said and done far, far worse on social media. And I'll start with Bette Midler and they never get punished. They never get admonished. Nothing happens to them. But what she said, which was a million times less incendiary and certainly not cruel, she's out. Isn't it incredible how some of these celebrities that they, they say one thing that's or, or post something and they get their lives ruined. But, oh, I don't know. There's a guy named Ted Danson who was at a Friars Club roast after Cheers. Where's blackface? And is telling he's not even being. Like, he's not even being funny. I read the transcript of him at that Friars Club roast with Whoopi Goldberg, and he's just saying vile, racist things that are going on. Now, she'll say that, uh, oh, no, I helped him write that, and, and the part of being in the Friars was being shocking. But those images are out there of him in blackface. Yet, right after, he's on Becker. He's on doing movies. He's on TV as that Mr. Mayor TV show on NBC, and... Ted Danson has consistently worked in Hollywood for 40 straight years, but because his politics align with the machine in Hollywood, he skates on by and we just go, <laughs> that was almost 30 years ago. Big deal. Alec Baldwin literally shot and killed someone. I know it was an accident, but I mean, that's, <laughs> that's literally what happened. And he is still, he is, he will not be removed from Hollywood, but I, I don't even mention that. That's a, that's sort of a, a, a comical aside about Alec Baldwin. But if you dig into what he's been up to the last 20 years, uh, you know, homophobic slurs, racial slurs alleged against him, uh, violence, uh, meanness, screaming bullying. at his daughter he, on the phone. Yeah. I mean, but even that is a personal, I, 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 you know, I don't, that's not his finest moment. And I think as a parent, you, you know, we've all had moments that we just, we just break down and I've never done that, but I'm just, you know, we, we haven't, weaknesses as parents. I, I think that's one of his lesser charges. It just got publicized and it was ugly and gross, but he's done so much and so many things. And, and if you take one or two together, he could be canceled. You throw them all in the same pot. And why is he still working? Well, he spent four and a half years making fun of Donald Trump and he's an, a, an ardent progressive. And that offers him some, not complete, but some protection. It's very obvious. And listen, if you're if you're a woke person and you say, I want to make the world a better place, part of me is with you. Like, I, I, I get that, even if I don't agree with your, your, your policies. But if you're not going to be consistent, you're even more of a, of a, of a fraud than, than I ever thought. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's amazing when I when I look back and who gets canceled and who doesn't. And that's my next question is because when you talk about the topic of cancel culture, this uh, it's been the last few years we've heard that term. And you see people who are just unpersoned, whether it's a, a political commentator and social commentator like an Alex Jones or Milo Yiannopoulos got banned from social media like five years ago after the Ghostbusters movie that you mentioned. Um and when you talk about cancel culture, so about three years ago around this time, I went to go see Louis C.K. And this was his first tour, and he was a little rusty, uh, but it was his first tour back after he had gotten canceled, after the uh, allegations and the stories about him masturbating in front of women. Now, a lot of that came out that they were, it was consensual. He asked them for it, and 15, almost, yeah, about 15 years later, then they finally said something that they didn't like it. And so he's trying to build his career back up. 
And so I go, I drive over to Pittsburgh. He was performing at the Pittsburgh Improv. I, I go see him. And I had never seen him be live before. And it was great to see him for a guy who just a couple of years earlier was performing in front of arenas and theaters that I'm in a smaller comedy club seeing one of my comedic icons. So I post it and I say, this is amazing. I couldn't believe I was able to see this. And I was just getting roasted by the typical woke mob by going, you're participating in a and a, a sexual assaulter and this and that. And, you know, by proxy, you are supporting sexual assault. And I'm like, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. So my, but, but my, but what I did respond with was, okay, if you think it's too soon for Louie to make a comeback, what, when is it okay? When is it accepted that Louie or anybody who has been canceled for them to, have a comeback and have a career. I mean, we could we could talk about John Gruden. That these emails that were released uh, from ten years ago, he ends up getting basically let go from the Las Vegas Raiders. When can John Gruden make a make money anymore? When can he make a paycheck? And the they never have an answer. They basically, when you talk about cancel culture, they essentially feel that you need to go away forever. They're not they're not necessarily saying you should die, but you can't be in this space anymore. You can't sit with us anymore. It's too soon, no matter what time Louie or John Gruden or anybody else in this canceled culture can come back. It's 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 pretty sad. It's pretty scary, too. Yeah, you know, and I think if you ask them directly, is this a permanent ban, they would say no. But they also wouldn't say how they're allowed to go back into society. The Louis C.K. case is interesting. And listen, it wasn't like he got a slap on the wrist and went back on stage the next day. He was he was persona non grata, literally. I think he was away for maybe a year or two. Um, you know, he lost millions of dollars. He lost movie roles. He lost his FX series. His movie that I'm sure he just was blood, sweat, and tears has yet to be released. It's either I Love You, Daddy, or Daddy, I Love You. I always get the, the name of it wrong. And it's funny. I've seen it. It's actually quite good. I got a screener of it uh, years ago before the cancellation happened. And uh, yeah, w when? When? How much do they need to pay and suffer? And, you know, listen, I think what he did was disgusting. I think it was very wrong. I mean, heaven help if it was someone in my family that uh, he exposed himself to. I mean, it, it also plays to a tricky thing about cancel culture. There is there are actions and there are words and there are words that are innocent that are twisted. There are things that were cool 20 years ago that are no longer cool. But I think with him, there was a specific series of actions which were untenable and gross. He paid a significant price for it. And now he's coming back as a solo artist, putting out specials on his website, letting people who want to see him see him and everyone else can stay far, far away. Isn't that okay? But when you see that happening, what you'll see is, well, cancel culture isn't real because Louis C.K. put out a special. Really? I mean, what, what kind of argument is that? It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Cancel culture isn't real because some, somebody wants to actually have, make a paycheck at one time. <laughs> I mean, when, when you have people who get booted off of a radio show because they, they made a joke, I mean, what's the goal? Like, I remember about a year ago, there was um, some morning zoo up in Buffalo, they were making jokes. This is how castrated regular radio is nowadays, is that they were talking about what kind of toast they like. Like, how do they like their toast a little bit darker, or a little lighter? And they were describing it as like, well, you know, Serena Williams or Halle Berry. And it's an innocuous, a dumb joke, gone, fired, completely fired from that. So because they made that joke, 
Are they not allowed to ever make a paycheck again? Are they never allowed to uh, return to the airwaves or anything? Because then then when you start a Patreon and you say, hey, look, uh, you know, hey, guys, remember me from the radio show? I was the toast guy. I uh, started a Patreon if you want to listen to my podcast. No, you're not allowed to have that Patreon. Then they start lobbying with Patreon or other yeah. paywall services and, and PayPal and saying, he's that racist who said this and that. And then Patreon, of course, just like every other company, just like American Airlines this past week, had to uh, apologize for one of their uh, pilots or employees who had a Let's Go Brandon sticker. God, God forbid. And it, it, it's these companies are afraid because that's the one big thing with cancel culture is it's not so much the individual that's afraid. It's these companies that are afraid of these, you know, the as I call them, the pronoun people tweeting at them and sending them a couple of uh, tweets going, hey, do you stand by your employee that would say something like January 6th wasn't the biggest deal ever or <laughs> that uh, that vaccines don't work the way they should be? Uh, is this your employee that you stand behind? And of course, these companies are just a bunch of babies and going like, no, no, we have uh, terminated the employee and we apologize for anything. Because that's the big thing is it's not so much cancel culture it's these companies and then the sponsors that they're so fickle that they're they don't want any controversy so they'll be happy to throw their employees under the bus well here's the real problem here and i touch upon it extensively in my new book is that if the biggest corporations in the country and the biggest stars in hollywood if they can't show any semblance of backbone then what chance do do you or I have when Scarlett Johansson takes a role as a trans person and and within days is attacked by the usual suspects and she immediately relinquishes relinquishes the role and then does the hostage apology I will be an ally blah 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 you know the routine then what chance does the the, the plumber down the street have who gets under attack for saying having a wrong tweet and if the biggest corporations bow to absurd situations now, if they wouldn't apologize if that particular pilot had a BLM sticker, but they will apologize for Let's Go Brandon. Well, there's a different, you know, that's, you know, that speaks for itself. But it's when these big corporations and these big players, when they're so afraid that they that they they buckle, that's when that's sort of that's cancel culture at its worst and at its most powerful. And Adam Carolla famously said, if you retreat, they encroach. And that's exactly what's happening across the culture. That's where things change where with these podcasts where people, whether it's Compound Media, whether it's Guest Digital Network or some of these other podcasting platforms, that their sponsors are people who are fans of the podcast that aren't going anywhere. That And if somebody says, hey, you know, I don't like that Tony Mazur said this on the air and they appeal to one of the sponsors and the sponsor would have a back, backbone and say, OK, I understand you don't like it, but we like him and we like his product we like what he's saying so kindly yeah go screw and that's what it's going to take to stop cancel culture and that's what's so refreshing about certain celebrities who are just i mean you think about with mel gibson for example you want to talk about a guy who probably under different circumstances if what he was doing happened in today's world would have not only been canceled, he would have been banished and never been a, allowed to return to the United States because of what he said and what he did, and especially when it came to the Passion of the Christ. Um, but Mel Gibson makes so much money for Hollywood, and he's so talented that 
they slowly let him back into Hollywood. So is there an opportunity for, for somebody like you who covers what the culture of Hollywood is? Do you think there's going to be a redemption period for some of these people, that there's going to be a backlash against the woke culture, that this may be a phase right now? Or is there beca- could there be, like I mentioned with The Daily Wire, that opportunity for redemption on secondary platforms where it's almost like a new Hollywood that gets created that, oh, you're a canceled actor that they didn't like that you said something 30 years ago and then they took you off this movie. Well, we'll welcome you here onto our cast. Is, could that be the near and distant future? Well, I think that will happen, but I don't know if it's going to happen in the size that would be necessary. You know, The Daily Wire is doing a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm a contributor there, so just for, for transparency's sake but I'm not a full-timer, but you know, it's wonderful what they're doing, but they're just one outlet. They just have limited resources. You need many more platforms that are offering those kind of opportunities. And I will say, I, I think the Morgan Wallen story is a real interesting one for 2021. And I think it, it does point to a, a backlash of sorts. Now, what he did uh, early last year was uh, he was drinking with buddies and he turned to a buddy and he used the N word and he, it wasn't a, it was, wasn't a black person, it was a white person. And he was just using it in a goofy, dumb way. And I mean, I think at this point, everyone just avoids that word at all costs. It just, I just, it just is. You know, we we get that it's got a, a vicious, ugly, horrible history. I have no problem never saying that word. He said it. He was drinking. He didn't say it at a black person. He didn't say it in a vicious way. But his entire world collapsed. His record label suspended him. You know, music stations across the country did stop playing his music. Punishment after punishment after punishment. He went to rehab. He apologized profusely. He gave half a million dollars, roughly, to different black causes. He did. He seemed contrite from the opening bell, and has been nothing but contrite. And at some point, isn't he allowed to make a living again? Isn't he allowed to keep singing? And what happened was, he ended up being the most uh, his out one of his out. I'm not sure what the album's name, but it became the best selling album of last year. And toward the end of last year, if not early this year, he had a song atop the hip hop charts with a uh, a black artist. It was I guess it was a, a duet, kind of not a duet, but sort of the them them working together on a song. So clearly, you know, hip hop is sort of a an urban demographic. I mean, obviously, uh, people of all races enjoy the music, but it's there's a significant contingent that that is as black listeners, and they seem to forgive him. You know, he didn't go out and kill someone. He said an ugly, gross word, and he spent an entire year apologizing for it. When does he get his life back? When can he go sing again? In their I, in I, their I, minds, they they don't think he should. That he's oh done. yeah, you listen. Look, look at the media reports on him the last six to eight months. It is if he does anything remotely artistic or he has any sort of win or any sort of attempt to re-engage with his fans or his career, the, the, it's sneering. It's – well, remember, Wallen said this word such and such time ago. Like it, You can just tell by the media coverage they don't want him back. They don't want him being able to build his life up again. They want none of that. They, I mean, and I'd imagine that in four years, it'll be a very similar tone. Well, you know, four years ago, Morgan Wallen said this word. Yeah, it's going to, it's what's going to happen. But it, the one thing that's good about it is that we do have these options where people, people have ditched cable, people have uh, ditched regular mainstream media, and they kind of go with what, I, I guess, more of an echo chamber in a way, but I think what's interesting about Louis C.K., for example, and just like Morgan Wallen, you the true fans 
are really going to buy into it. So if Morgan Wallen has an album that's coming out and says, hey guys, I just put out an album, it's the 12 songs and uh, it's available on my website, it's five bucks. His true fans will buy it 18 times just because they support him. And it's the same way with Louis C.K. where he puts his album out or his uh, special out on his website because that's where the true fans are going. You're just not going to have the mainstream appeal that you once had, but there is uh, it, that is a nice white pill, I guess, using that term again, for redemption for people that you can come back. And the people who are your fans are your true fans. They're not just fair weather people that liked you because, oh yeah, I saw him on SNL once. I saw him on Conan O'Brien. He was kind of funny. But those people already hate you, so you don't even need to appeal to them anymore. Yeah, and getting back to, I think we mentioned Patton Oswalt earlier in the conversation. He threw his good friend of more than 30 years, Dave Chappelle, so far under the bus, we may never see him again. And what he did was he didn't just apologize for sharing a photo of the two of them together, but he basically indicated that Dave Chappelle doesn't want trans people to have full rights to be treated with care and empathy, which is completely opposite of everything that Dave Chappelle has said over the last few years. And so not only did he did, did Patton Oswalt side with strangers who will not really impact his career, he just disparaged the one fellow who's been a, a true friend and a fan, and I'm sure it could be a supporter for the next 30 years of his career. Yeah, and and well, then that's because he wanted to look, want to keep his gig in Hollywood. That's what they're they're afraid of. And I, you know, the one thing about with Hollywood, and we can um, start to wind down here with this interview in a little bit here. Uh, when I look at how Hollywood has changed over time to even pre-pandemic, fewer people were going to the movies that you weren't seeing other than the Marvel movies and Star Wars and certain animated flicks. You weren't going to see the uh, the Hugh Grant uh, romantic comedy at the theater anymore. You would start to wait for it to come onto Netflix. And then they were making Netflix and Hulu and Amazon only and HBO Max only streaming options now movies are basically an afterthought except for again the marvel and the star wars movies and then you have a pandemic so movie theaters are closing left and right anyway so they almost have an excuse when you say hey by the way uh, the budget in that movie was uh you know 85 million dollars but you only raked in two million you know well you know the movie theaters are closed and it's a pandemic and everything so they have their built-in excuse there but you're already seeing that that people are just fed up, it seems. People are fed up with what they're seeing on TV. They're, they're fed up with the constant barrage of messaging and agenda that goes on. You saw this in the NFL a couple of years ago with the constant, the, the, the showing the kneeling on the sidelines and, the, and, and speaking out and giving a platform to people who really just, in my opinion, didn't know what they were really talking about. It was just that's what was trendy and popular because of Colin Kaepernick at the time. And the ratings went down and people really were pissed off about it to the point where, what was the solution? Well, guys were still kneeling. We just stopped filming them. And now you don't hear about it anymore. So it, it just, it's, it's odd how the people really can be in charge if they want to. And they're showing that by not going to see the movies. They're showing that by not watching the Grammys and not watching the Emmys and not watching the Oscars. Every single year now, it's, Ratings are, uh, uh, it's just bottomed out. There's no one watching this. The Grammys had to uh, reschedule, and they're like, oh, you know, it's because of Omicron. It's because of the uh, spike in cases. 
I don't, uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's because they realize no one cares about the Grammys anymore. No one cares about award shows. So it seems like the people still have the power out there, even if they're getting drowned out by all these different sources and forms of propaganda. We've always had the power. We just don't use it. Um, it we've never had more power than, than, than right now because of social media, because we can connect with people. We could kind of uh, energize. We can rally. We could send messages and we too often don't do that. And we really have to kind of use our power in a more positive way so that if there are these new Daily Wire-esque platforms, if there are comedians like J.P. Sears and Ryan Long, Tim Dillon, and of course, Joe Rogan seems to be doing quite all right right now. If we can kind of funnel a lot of support their way and show that if you're an independent artist who thinks independently and leads with the funny or the entertainment first, you, you will become a superstar. We will rally around you. And that may wake up Hollywood. Right now, they're losing money in certain regions in certain ways, but it's not enough to hurt. The Oscar ratings keep falling. They don't care because it doesn't hurt them yet. Um, you know, it, it, it does to a certain degree. I mean, Oscars is basically a big – it's a three-hour advertisement for movies, and they're losing that. But they're not losing enough. The, the, the rich people in Hollywood are still making money. The studios are still making money. They're finding new, they're finding new ways to do that. Until it really hurts them significantly, I don't think you're going to see change. But we can kind of build up and support an, a, a sort of an alternate platform, an alternate Hollywood that is more freedom thinking, more aware, funnier, bolder, more creative, more interesting, more raw and authentic. And that's I think you see that directly with Joe Rogan right now. There's a chart that was going kind to of kicking around social media for a couple of days about his reach per episode as opposed to Tucker Carlson, Rachel Maddow, CNN, and he dwarfs everyone. We are starving for that authentic voice and, and someone who's really embracing free speech, and he epitomizes all of that. I, I wish him well in 2022 because he's going to come on significant attack, but uh, there isn't, there's an opportunity there if we, if we want to use our power and our collective will and our strength to do something. It's up to us. And that's the best part is that if Joe Rogan, say, for example, Spotify decided to shred his deal, do you think Joe Rogan's going away? Do you think any of these people that have been, quote unquote, canceled in today's world are going to go like, well, shoot, I was going to listen to Joe Rogan today, but Spotify banned it and he's not available on any podcast platform. Huh. I guess I'm just going to watch CNN today. No, you're going to have imitators. You're going to have people that are going to say, hey, I'm going to do what Joe Rogan did, but I'm going to try and do it even better. I'm going to go bolder. I'm going to take it to a level well, that he wouldn't even dare go to, and you're, and those people are going to go with it. So even though it does fragment the audience, and as I always say, with whether it's radio, whether it's podcasting, acting, mu music nowadays, you're probably not going to make a ton of money, and it's going to take a while for you to to struggle through and pay your bills, and thinking that it, you know your advertising dollars are, are going to pay for everything, it's probably not going to happen. But this is all part of it that those people are not going away. They're not going to go back to mainstream sources. They've already they've already abandoned the mainstream sources. They're not going to return to them. So that's that's one of the good things, and that's why it's it's so important for you to have a book out like this because we're not alone in thinking this. We're not alone in watching these movies and going, "Boy, this is terrible." Or or you're watching a James Bond movie, or you're like, "All right, what when's the woke thing that's going to pop up?" Now, oh, there it is. Here it is. Here's the message. Here's the underlying message. And James Bond doesn't like guns anymore. And and he's not a womanizer. It's just, it's, you've been beaten to death with it. And it's finally getting to the point where the people are really are speaking up and saying, yeah, no, 
No, I'm going elsewhere. I'm going elsewhere. And I, oh, you don't. And there was that whole time where it's like, oh, you don't like Twitter? Then make your own Twitter. Well, now we have. So people are now finally getting the power to, oh, you don't like that radio show because they said something and then start your own. Well, they have. And we have these options and people are taking to them now. Yeah. And I think the one of the things that's that the one caveat there is, you know, go make your own Twitter. Well, Parler did that. And then yeah. Parler was basically deplatformed and has never been the same. And so that's how that's how scary it can be at its worst. I'm hoping that 2022 and beyond doesn't get to that level because that. That left me. I, I had trouble sleeping when when they took Parlor down because I just it wasn't that I needed Parlor. It's just that I knew what that's what that meant in the bigger picture. So you know, if Spotify were to tear up that contract of Joe Rogan's tomorrow, yes, he could go solo. But what if the the culture becomes so oppressive that no other podcasting platform will have him? Like there, you don't know. And that sounds conspiracy. But then they took away Parlor. I mean, I just was stunned by that. Yeah. And there was it was a, it was a direct attack on a competing platform that they, that dared to be more freedom speech friendly. There was there's tons of hate and organizing and horrible things going on on Twitter. It, I, I mean, I understand it. It's impossible to corral all that, but they they blamed Parler for that. You know, they singled them out and they took them down. So we need that not to happen again. We need more artists to come out and we need more people to kind of uh, you know embrace something good and pure. And, and and by the way, again, I am not against diversity. I think diversity is amazing. And I think part of what's going on in Hollywood is that the guilt they had for doing it all wrong for so many years, for keeping people uh, that should have had a place at the table and should have had a voice, keeping them silent. I think I think the guilt they have for that is is a big part of, the, of this, what's happening right now. Yeah. And then, and then but but what, what they what does Hollywood do instead of having if you're going to make be diverse with movies, how about you stop stealing old concepts I mean, why was Black Panther? Why was Get Out? Why were those massive movies a couple of years ago? Because they were original concepts featuring minorities instead of, hey, here was a here was Friends. Let's do the black version of Friends. Hey, here's this. Let's do this version of that. And you're like, oh, gee, I see what's it. We're going to do the female Ghostbusters. So you're just taking what a, a concept of something that worked and you're trying to put your own mentality. In it. It's just it's. It, it's bothersome to me, and that's why people like myself and like you and others are just tuning out and why they're going to uh, check out this book, which is called Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul by Christian Toto. And Christian, thanks so much for being a part of this. Uh, I'm assuming we can get the book on Amazon. Where can we find your book and where, where can we find you on social media? Yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, I think the usual places. The official launch date is January 18th. And um for myself, my website is hollywoodintoto.com, and I've got a weekly podcast called Right on Hollywood. It's part of the Just the News podcast family, so I hope people check that out as well. Well, Christian, thanks so much for uh, joining us and being a part of this. Uh, good luck with the book. Uh, it, it's going to be one where it, if Hollywood doesn't get, it, get their act together, you could probably make a, several more in the series. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't have to. That's, a, that's a, my main wish.